There are many people who are cynical when they talk about the church. They look upon it as some cold, sterile, formal institution. And that's so sad. That's so tragic. And the sad part about it is in some cases they're right. We can become cold and sterile and formal. But we shouldn't be. Now, I think there are some people, and I think we have a room full of them here this morning, who feel about the church the same way I do. And that's something to love. Something to to enjoy. Something, something to strengthen. Something to love. Now, I grant. I have open enough eyes to grant that the human side of the church is in a constant state of renovation a constant state of repair anybody that owns a home knows what renovation and repair means there's never an end there's always something a faucet that drips, a furnace that doesn't work, a hot water tank that quits, a roof that leaks, windows that need replaced. And that's just talking about some of the things. And there's always the outside that needs painted or the landscaping needs updated. On and on and on it goes. We know what renovation and we know what repair means. But that doesn't mean we don't love our houses. We don't love our homes. And just because the human side of the church is in a constant state of renovation, a constant state of repair, is no reason to not love it. So this morning I want you to allow me to share with you four reasons why I love the church. I hope it will give you something to think about. I hope it will will motivate you to to love the church even more. First, I love the church because Jesus loves it. Just flat out. My greatest aim in life is to be a Christian. To be a Christian. Now, I'll never be perfect, and we don't need any amens on that. I know it well enough. But I hope And I pray that I am more like Jesus today than I was at 23 years old when I became a Christian. This is my 50th year as a Christian. As I was making this lesson up, I thought about that. I thought, that's impossible. I can't believe 50 years but they've been wonderful years Ephesians the 5th chapter that uh, Andy has read for us tells us that Jesus loved the church so much that he gave himself for it he died that there might but he didn't just die and establish the church and walk away from it he nurtures it And he cares for it. He provides the food that we need. He provides the life that we need. 
because he loves the church. You think about the fact that Jesus left the glories of heaven. The, the, the wonderful peace and love and strength that's there to come down to this earth to be beaten, to be laughed at, to be mocked, to be scorned because he loved the church. How can we not love the church? Second reason, as I thought about it, is I love the church because the church is family. Family means a great deal to me. That's really important. We're called the sons of God in Galatians, the third chapter, in verse number 26. We, God looks upon us as his children. You know, I had retired a little over a year ago, and that's a joke. But I had no idea what retirement was going to be like. But it seems like the wheels on our car haven't quit turning since I retired. We're going here, and we're going there, and we're going here, and we're going there. And it's all tied to family. Family. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. In First Timothy, the fifth chapter, verses 1 and 2, he talks about fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. He's talking about the church, and that's the way he viewed it. How wonderful it is to think we're family. We have that support. We have that strength. We have that help. We have that love. We have that correction. We have family. Oh, I love the church because we're family. You see, in a family, you don't have to go through life alone. That's a terrible, terrible thing. I'll never forget the day I walked off a plane in Saigon. And I looked around, and I did not see another American in sight. Loneliness. It was terrible. Crushing. Almost. But as Christians, we never have to be alone. If you'd like to turn with me, I'm going to Matthew, the 12th chapter. I'm going to look at verse 46 to start. Matthew 12:46. While he was standing and talking to the multitude, and that's Jesus, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak to him. The crowd was so big and so thick they couldn't get through. They're on the outside trying to get in. And one of them said, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. And listen to how Jesus answered. He said to the one who told him, who's my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whosoever does the will of my Father in, my, in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. 
Andy was just talking about his mother and the fact that she's recovering from her eye surgery, but he had to go over and, and help her with her bills because of, of vision problems. That's what family does. We help one another. We support one another. And that's not only in the physical realm. But, you know, sometimes it takes somebody to just give you a shoulder to cry on. Somebody, times it takes someone to just give you a good swift boot to say, get up and get going. And there's nobody can do that better than a brother or a sister. How important it is that we understand that we have a support group, if you will. We have family. And I love the church because it's family. Let's go to Mark, the 10th chapter. Mark's going to look at this just a little bit different. Verse 28 starts it. Jesus talking, or Peter's talking to Jesus, he said to him, See, we've left all and followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Surely I say, houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or child, or lands for my sake, and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecution that in the age to come, eternal life we have brothers and sisters across this world Richard and Jessica are down in Tennessee right now with brothers and sisters from all over the world particularly all over the United States some close to 3,000 gathered together to study God's word to sing to pray, to fellowship with one another. Because they're family. They're family. Yeah, I love the church because Jesus loved it. I love the church because the church is family. And I also love the church because of its impact on the world. Oh, don't we all lament about the state of the world I mean what a mess there's drugs and there's crime and there's murder and there's terrorism and there's sexual immorality and there's just on and on and on we go but just think what the world would be like without the influence of the church without there being Christians Jesus put it this way in Matthew the 5th chapter he tells us that we are to be the light of the world. The fifth chapter, and looking particularly at verse 13 and following, he says, you're the salt of the earth. If the salt's lost its favor, how should it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. We are to be the salt of the world. We're to be the flavor of the world. We're to be the preserving power of the world. And if we're not, 
then we're useless. We need to get out in our communities. We need to get out and be the salt. Of the if you got a little salt shaker, you put it up in the cabinet and you close the door. You own salt. But your food doesn't get it. You don't ever taste it. You might as well throw the thing away. I remember Sandy's mother when she was living with us. Doctor told her, you shouldn't eat any salt. Told us, don't give her any salt. Don't cook with salt. Don't put any salt on her food. Sat down to the first meal. She said, pass the salt shaker. And I said, boss, that's what I called her. I said, boss, we're not supposed to give you any salt. She said, I didn't ask you to give it to me. Do I have to get up and take it? She said, I've lived 90 some years and I can't have salt. She wasn't going to hear it just wasn't going to listen and you know something I passed the salt shaker you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world he says in verse 14 a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel but put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all that are in the house now listen to this last verse, verse 16. Let your light so shine before the world or before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The church, folks, is a moral voice. It's a conscience in our society. And without it, this world is in an even greater mess. We need to stand up and be the light. We need to be sure that we're not afraid to say abortion is wrong. Homosexuality is a sin. It's just what we do what we should do or we're putting that light under a bushel it's up to us each one of us to look at our lives am I on a lampstand or am I in a bushel because that's a choice do we want to perpetuate the darkness or give light to all that are in the house God's choice is to let your light so shine. And we need to. I love the church because of its influence in society. The fourth reason I love the church is because it's the saved. Now, I think we need to understand very well it's Jesus that saves, not the church. The church can't save anybody. 
the church are the saved. That's what Jesus saves. And those that are in the church. And oh, how I love the church because it's the saved. Go back to that passage that Andy read for us just a few minutes ago, Ephesians 5. Let's look at verse 25. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now why would he do that? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the world, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We need to know and we need to understand that all of the saved are in the church. There aren't any saved anywhere else. Look what it says in Acts, the second chapter, and I'm looking at verse 47, the last verse. The church was praising God and having favor with all the people. That's what the people were doing. And the Lord was added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's where they are. In the church. Look in the 20th chapter of Acts as we think about the way the first century church viewed this whole thing. We need to know and understand exactly what was taught in the first Acts 20 and verse 28. Paul said, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. Now, there's no period there. There's no break in the thought. Church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. His blood was shed to purchase the church. Folks, if you're not a part of the church, it doesn't matter what else you may have done. You can be the president of the United States or you can be the janitor in the school. You can be anywhere in between. It's nothing if you're not a member of the church. It just doesn't count. Everything we look upon as a society of value Well, let's look at Matthew 16 and starting with verse 24 and see the, the marvelous way that God expresses it. Jesus said to his disciple, if anyone desires to come after me, we're looking at, at, at Matthew 16 starting with verse 24. If anyone desires to come after me, anyone, desires to come after me, number one, let him deny himself, 
Number two, let him take up his cross. And number three, let him follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Jesus said there's only two choices. Follow him and have your soul. Refuse to follow him and lose your soul. What are you going to give in exchange for your soul? Money? Power? Sex? Drugs? Booze? Whatever. That's a choice that we have to make. And those who make the choice to follow him are church because we're the same. We're the good guys. We're the ones that are going to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant. I love the church. And you know, the greatest gift that you could give back to Jesus, the greatest gift that you could give to God is to love the church of Jesus Christ supremely that's the most important thing in your life the greatest gift that you could give to your spouse is to love the church of Jesus Christ supremely if you do you'll be the best husband that she could possibly find the best wife that he could ever find. You know the greatest gift you could give your kids? Not the latest toy. Not the newest computer. Not the, the nicest car. Not the greatest vacation. The greatest gift you could give your child is to love the church. It's the greatest thing you could do thing that you could do for your neighbors and your friends is to love the church. Live such a way that they see Christ living before them. Do you love the church? I mean, that's a decision that we make on a regular basis. What am I going to love? This or the church? That or the church? We make that every day. How are you doing on your decision making? We need to think about it. We need to realize. We need to understand. Jesus gave his life. And he said, come follow me. Take up your cross. Do you love the church? God loves you. If you need to come home to him, won't you do it right now while we stand or while we sing?